This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Andrew was my first boyfriend, and I, I had a friend at school. <clears throat> now, I'm, I don't know how many of you had a friend at school that you always wanted to, you wanted to be like that person. I had a friend like that. I always wanted to be like her. She was popular, well-spoken, pretty, and I was not like her at all. And she had the one boyfriend after the other. And that was also very uh, unlike me. I didn't, Andrew was my first boyfriend at the age of 22. So I always wanted to be like her, but our journey ultimately was very different. And even though she was the one with all the boyfriends at school, she waited until 33. She got married at the age of 33. I got married at the age of 24. And, but, but in terms of children, she's got three kids now. She's a year older than I am. She's got three beautiful kids. And we still, even though I got married at the age of 24, now that I'm 42, it's actually just the opposite. I didn't realize that. I'm 42. And we are still trying for another baby. So the interesting thing is that I always wanted to be like her. And, you know, it, it is just amazing how our lives played out differently. And how she had to trust the Lord, even though she had all the boyfriends, she had to trust the Lord for her husband until the age of 33. And even though I got married long before her, I'm in a journey where I'm, I'm trusting the Lord for another child for the last eight years. So I don't know where you are at. I don't know what your story is, your journey is, but each one is different. Every story is different, and that's the beauty of, of the uniqueness and the, the God that we serve because you are not like anybody else. You are unique. And often we want to compare. Often we want to say, God, but what about me? And why isn't my life like hers or like him's? And, and then ultimately we miss out on your unique story if you, want, if you forever want to be with somebody else's ears. And I was in that place where I wanted to be like somebody else. And I came to a, to a point in my life where I could look at this friend of mine and I could celebrate her, but I could also celebrate myself and my own journey. So I just want to celebrate all of you tonight. We have all have a different journey, a different call, and especially in the area of relationships. Sometimes it works out different than what we expected, but that is still the beauty of your life and your life that is unique. So I want to read you a scripture in Psalm 27, verse 14, in the Passion Translation. Beautiful. It says, here's what I have learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. And I want you to grab hold of the scripture in the area of relationships, in the area of dating, in the area of getting married. Because I want to encourage you, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. And maybe you feel, Sonica, I've been waiting forever. You don't understand. I've been waiting forever. But the scripture says, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. There's something about God writing your story that is so special and so unique. So I want to just answer a few questions that you might have during this season. Andre and I are going to do a Q&A at the end as well. So please remember, uh, um, if you have a question, write it down. You can, you can start SMSing to that number while I'm, I'm talking. Okay, but I'm going to answer just a few questions for you as a, as a start for tonight. Many people battling with the question, especially if they've been waiting for a while, is there something wrong with me? Because there, there's, there's always questions. There's, especially if you compare yourself with other people. You look at yourself and you think, surely there must be something wrong with me because why does my friend now have a boyfriend and she's getting, getting married? Surely there's something wrong with me. I want to answer it like that. Yes, there's something wrong with all of us. <laughs> but there's also nothing wrong with any one of us. Yeah, I want to answer it in that way. There's something wrong with all of us. This is why Jesus came and he said, let me be 
the one who comes alongside you. Let me give you the Holy Spirit who's going to come alongside you, who's going to change you. You can't change yourself. We can't fix ourselves. But when we walk in a living relationship with God, the beauty is he comes and he changes us. I'm not the same person as 20 years ago. Ask Andre. You guys didn't know me. I was full of issues, full of issues. And it didn't, it didn't keep God from writing my story and giving me a husband who was also full of issues, by the way, at the age of when did we start? <laughs> a bit less than mine, though. <laughs> it is just incredible how... Oh, we can always be inwardly focused and think there's something wrong with us. And surely that must be the reason why I'm still waiting. You know, when we got married, we were not perfect. But we were 100% 100 following Jesus with all our hearts. And that was the one thing that helped us to to stay together, to to run this, this journey of marriage well, or as well as we can possibly could, you know, with, with Jesus on our side. So, as I say, yes, there's something wrong with all of us. That is not the reason why you are still waiting, okay? There is, there, in, in all of our lives, there's something that we need to work on, and the beauty is Jesus comes and he, he changes us. Another question you might have, is God perhaps punishing me for all the mistakes I've made in previous relationships? Or is God perhaps punishing me for something I've done? So is that maybe the reason why I'm still waiting? The answer to that is, this is not the God that we serve. This is not the God that we know. He is the God of another chance and another chance and another chance. He wants your relationships to flourish. He wants you to make a success of relationships, of marriage. He will never make you wait to punish you, ever. That is not the God that we serve, but we need to do it his way. That, there, there is a but in this answer. We need to do it his way. There's a scripture in Proverbs 3 verse 6. We all know that. <clears throat> and we should acknowledge him in all our ways. And all that that means is just to make God part of your decision-making process. You know, often people just enter into a relationship and then they ask God to bless it. But we should actually consult the one who created you, before you just storm into a relationship. But God will never punish you for mistakes you've previously made by making you wait or making you battle in a relationship. Yes, what we sow, we'll reap, and I'll get to that now. But the God that we serve is a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. He is good. He is good. So, so let's remove that from your, uh, from your thought process. We need to be obedient and we need to consult him, but he's not going to punish you for previous mistakes. He will never do that. Why would I be able to make a success of my marriage if my parents got divorced? How many of you come from a divorced family? Just quickly raise your hand. Quite a few. Okay. Sometimes it's almost like a, a cycle of divorce in a family. It's not only your parents. It might be like aunts and uncles. It's just, it feels like chaos. And the answer to that question is your family background does not determine your, your future. Your family background will never determine your, uh, your plan and the days that God has written in his book for your life. You, you start a new family. You start a new value. You start new priorities. I remember the, the, the most amazing thing when Andre and I got married for me was we could write our own rules. We are a new family. I don't have to now do things the way my parents did it. I can take the good, but I don't have to do it their way. We don't have to do it Andre's parents' way. We can actually now start our own book. You know, we can write our own rules. We can can start our own chapter. And that is your life as well. The fact that your parents come from, or that your parents have been divorced, or that you come from a broken family, it does not mean that your chance for a successful marriage is less. The only prerequisite is, once again, Jesus must be the center of our relationship. Andre comes from a divorced family, and let me tell you, we have no intention to get divorced. No intention. And you can keep us accountable. We fight for our intimacy. We fight for our marriage. I'll do anything. I will do anything to fight for what we have. And if you come, if you maybe personally come from a 
a broken marriage or a broken family. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. I know statistics say that your second marriage or your third marriage, that your chances become less and less and less to make a success. But when you serve Jesus, everything changes. Amen? Everything changes. When we serve God, He determines our future. He determines the success of of our job, our marriage, our family life. Amen? So do not believe the lie that your chance of having a successful marriage is low because your parents got divorced. Let me tackle another quite uh, um, difficult question. Is it really such a big problem to be unequally yoked? Let me explain the unequally yoked question. It means if you are following Jesus, I'm talking now to those of you who you follow Jesus with your whole heart. You want to do it his way. Okay, this is the people I'm not talking to. If, if you are one of those people, then to be unequally yoked means that you yoke together, you partner together with a person who is not following Jesus, who does not have your priorities or your values. Like yoking together, it's like two oxen. We need, they need to pull a, a, um, a, bar, a wagon, hmm? and then the one pulls in that direction, the other one pulls in that direction, you're going to get nowhere. You're going to get stuck. It's going to be frustrated, and you're going to feel the effect on your, your relationship. So, yes, it is a huge problem to be unequally yoked, and you won't necessarily pick it up in the, in the, in the short term. In the short term, it might feel as if this could work, but in the long term, you might feel, not might, you will feel the effect of frustration, of not seeing eye to eye, of arguing over so many things. There's so many people, in, in married people who are unequally yoked. The wife comes to church with her kids on her own, or the husband is following God, but the wife is not interested. There's so many situations like that, and if you, for those of you who are still waiting for the right person, you have the incredible privilege of choosing right. You have the, it's, it's an incredible privilege to make the right decision from the beginning. There's so many people who have made the wrong decision, and once again, God is faithful to fix wrong decisions. Okay, once you're married, we fight for the marriage. No matter whether you might think you, make, you made a mistake or not. But if you are still seeking, if you are still waiting, you have an incredible privilege of making the right choice from the beginning. And that is, that is first prize, making the right decision from the beginning. And ladies, let me just speak to you for a moment. You need a guy who can lead you spiritually. You need... <laughs> There's one person who agrees. Thanks, Annette. You need, you need a guy who can lead you spiritually. Therefore, you need to carefully choose that person. To the guys, I want to say, become the man who can lead your, your wife spiritually, who can lead your, your girlfriend, your fiancé. Become that man. The girls are looking for somebody who can lead them spiritually. Amen, girls? We're looking for somebody who can take the lead. If... if uh, you know, if, if we get married, we want our husband to say, we're going to church. And, and you might be the one feeling, no, you're going to sleep in, and your husband will say, no, we're going to church. And guys, we love that. We love that. We want to go to church, and we want you to say, we're going to church. And we want, we want our husband to, to tell our child, no, get up, we're going to church. This, this is not negotiable. We, we, we want that. We're looking for that. And that is why being unequally yoked looks so insignificant in the beginning because you're not dealing with children. You're not dealing with a covenant relationship when you just start dating. But when you get serious and when you move into this is you becoming one, it becomes a huge, huge problem. So I want to encourage you, for those of you still waiting, don't even consider, don't even consider a relationship with anybody who's not following Jesus, if, you, if that is your priority. Do not even consider that. Even if, even if you've been waiting for how long? Because the, the problem is often we are very convinced that this is our, our conviction. We will not be unequally yoked. But as the time moves on, we think, is it really such a big problem? Because I've been waiting for so long, and God, surely you're not helping, so maybe I must just sort this out myself. 
you know. Maybe I must just now make, make this happen. So I want to encourage you. You have the incredible privilege to choose right. Last question I want to address before I, I, I talk about sowing seeds. Is it wrong to have a desire to get married? Is it wrong to have an intense desire to get married? The, que- the answer to that question is, no, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's a God-given desire. It's, some, it's something that God has placed in your heart. You need to embrace that with your whole heart. You can't ask God to take it away. You can't say, oh God, I, please just take this desire to get married away because surely it's wrong. Surely it's an idol. Surely it's not good for me to feel like that. It's a God-given thing. You need to change your prayer. You need to say, God, help me to embrace this season. Help me to make the most of this season. You never ask God to take a godly desire away. Okay, because I've had many discussions with people who feel almost guilty for wanting to get married. It's a beautiful desire. Marriage is beautiful. It's something to look forward to. It is, it is a desire pl- planted in your heart by the Lord. So you never ask him to take that away. You ask him to make the most of your season while you are waiting or dating or, or pursuing something that is going to end up in marriage. Amen? So before Andre and I do the, the Q&A, I just want to talk about a few good seeds. So whether you are dating or whether you are single, in our lives, we, we either sow good seeds or we sow bad seeds. And the good seeds will bear good fruit. The bad seeds will bear bad fruit. It's, it's sim- as simple as, as that. So the very first seed that you can sow that is a good seed, is what I've just mentioned, is we need to make the most of this season. The season while you are either waiting or dating or even in your, in your um, season when you engage. It's all different seasons. You need to make the most of those seasons. Just in my own life, even though I got married at 24, as I said, we've been trying for another child. So this is my waiting season. Okay, sometimes you have a different waiting season. You could even have a waiting season for God to heal you from something specifically. And there's similarities in those waiting seasons. But after two years of trying for another child, so that's six years ago, all right? Two years compared to eight years, it feels not long, but already then it felt like eternity. So I felt God said to me, I must go on with my life. So I, I did four things. Okay, this is now my waiting season. I want you to make it applicable to your, to your season. Uh, God said to me, I must go on with my life. So wh- what did I do? I joined the gym. I guess now my, my child's three years old, all right? I haven't joined the gym in three years after Vian got born. So I joined the gym. I joined the worship team again. I stopped buying baby and toddler magazines. And I stopped buying maternity clothes at the Willie sale. <laughs> because I thought, let me, let me stock up for my next baby, you know. Let me buy cheap. And I wait, because nobody buys it. And then I wait until it's, it costs hardly anything. And then I, then I buy it and I put it in the cupboard. So I stopped doing that because God said to me, I must go on with my life. It was really good for me. It was hard. It was hard. And I don't believe God told me that because I will never have a child, because we actually still believe, we're still trying, we still have faith. But I believe God told me to go on with my life because he didn't want me to waste six years of my life. Okay? Or how long it's going to be until we have another, another child. I don't know. He didn't want me to waste that time. And if I was now forever for the last six years still buying maternity clothes, <laughs> I had to like build a new cupboard then for all the clothes. If I was still buying baby and toddler magazines, if I was still like, you know, living in that moment of it's, it's difficult. In a waiting season, we need to live with an expectation, but we also need to live with a reality of embracing the season. It's difficult. It's clashing. It's, it's two contrasts. But that is your only way of making the most of where you are now. Because we wait with an expectation. So it's not as if we live in unbelief and denial. And we say, no, we don't ever want to get married. Who wants to get married? You know, that kind of attitude. 
We need to say, I want to get married. This is my desire. However, I'm going to embrace every moment of this season. Because if you don't, you miss out on, on a beautiful season. And God wants you to enjoy all your different seasons. Even if it takes longer than what you expected. Because I want, I want to challenge you tonight. Ask God, what should you stop doing? And what should you start doing in your waiting season? All right. Second one, become the person. I'm talking about good seeds. We're sowing good seeds towards marriage. Become the person that your dream husband or wife would be interested in. This is whether you're single or dating. Become the person that your dream husband or wife would be interested in. So I would encourage you to become that person that your spouse is looking for. If you are looking for somebody who will treat you with respect, then you need to treat others with respect. If you're looking for somebody who's going to be loyal and honest, then you need to be somebody who's loyal and honest. If you want somebody who's a good listener, somebody with a good sense of humor, then work on your sense of humor (laughs) or become a good listener. You know, we have this expectation in these lists of this person that you want, but sometimes we forget that maybe that person has got a list too and you need to be that person, you know. If if you're looking for somebody who's going to take good care of himself or herself physically, doing exercise, taking care of himself or herself, you must do the same. So become the person that your dream husband can, can, can uh, tick off on his list. You know, we, 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 need to, we need to pursue what we dream for and hope for in our own lives. We need to invest in good friendships, also whether you're single or dating. You know, the best uh, foundation for marriage is a good friendship. We, we have so many friends who told us, no, I'll never get married to this girl. She's my best friend. <laughs> and then Andrew was just laughing and saying, well, it's good. This girl is going to end up in marriage. And this one guy was adamant. She's my friend. And now they're happily married for a long time already. You've got two kids. Friendship is your best foundation. So if a great investment in your future marriage is to learn to be a good friend. Whether you are dating, whether you are still single, friendship is a great foundation. It's the best foundation for a marriage. So if you learn to be a good friend, you are sowing a good seed in your future marriage. And, you know, your husband or your wife one day should and will hopefully be your best friend. But Andre can't be my only friend. I'm going to drive him crazy, you know, with all my expectations. You would need to pursue friendships for the rest of your life. You would need to learn how to be a friend, how to make friends, even after marriage. So if you're battling now to make friends, to keep friends, to be a good friend, it is something you need to work on now already. Because one day you would need to invest in your marriage relationship, which is going to be a friendship, and you would need to invest in other friendships. So one of the best investments in your future marriage is to become a friend. Learn to become a good friend. Grow in your relationship with the Lord. The greatest gift you can give to your future spouse is to become more like Jesus. That is the greatest gift you can give to the person because you, you, as I said, you can only love, you can only love a person from your own strength, from your own ability up to a point. Then you need Jesus to help you to, to, to love that, that, um, to love that person. You know, so I want to encourage you to use your seasons to grow spiritually. Your, your best investment, your greatest gift, the greatest gift I can give to Andre is to grow spiritually, to pursue Jesus, to become more like him. The greatest gift he can give to me is to grow in the Lord. And this is, again, something you're going to do for the rest of your life. And believe it or not, for those of you still in, a, in, in your single season, you might differ with me, but that's the season we have the most time, okay? Uh, as I say, all of you might not agree with me, but once you get married, there's things to do. Let me tell you, there's things to do. There's cooking and there's all kinds of things, whether it's going to be the husband or the wife is doing it. This, I remember the first six months of my marriage, I was so exhausted, you know. Andre had like the, the best time of his life. He said it was his second salvation, after we got married, he just um, you know, had all things going for him. And I felt as if I am, um, I was so exhausted. 
And after six months, he said to me, I must stop trying to be the perfect wife. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and then I, that was, you know, then I became even more like, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. And I was just working, working, working. I was just trying to please him. And the point I'm trying to make is, there comes, marriage has responsibilities. Now wait until you become a mother, okay? Then it, the responsibilities just piles up and your time gets limited. The best time to, in your life to invest in your relationship with God, to learn, to do things, to study things, is when you are single. Now I'm not saying we should stop that when we start dating or being engaged or get married or become a mom. It is just an adjustment, and we need to learn to juggle more balls in the air. So invest in your relationship with God. Staying pure, my last point, especially if you are dating, purity is one of our biggest, biggest struggles when we are dating. It's our biggest struggles. You know, it's, it's amazing how the devil will do anything to bring two people together sexually before marriage, and then after marriage, the, his greatest uh, goal is to keep them away from sexual intimacy. It is just crazy. But there is an onslaught on people's purity all the time. And if, if, if we compromise on this before marriage, we sow a seed of destruction later on. And once again, if you've made mistakes in this area, if you've been exposed to things that you regret, if you've been, uh, you've had negative experiences in this area, God is faithful. It's beautiful. There's so many beautiful stories of restoration and of redemption. But if you are in a position currently where, where you are dating or even in, where you're still single and you are fighting for your purity, I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to stay pure. Do whatever it takes to, to stay pure. The result of staying pure during your season before marriage is a beautiful, rewarding, and fulfilling, and just a, an amazing marriage, especially in the area of your physical intimacy. But we've spoken to so many people who, who, who think that it's going to be okay because they are going to get married in any case. And then there's a trust that's been broken down, and then they really battle in their marriage. So your sexual purity before marriage you need to fight for that purity. You need to do whatever you can, and you need to, to put whatever boundaries possible in place to protect yourself. Your, for those of you dating, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, it's something that you need to fight for, your purity, because there's an onslaught to break down before marriage so that it will affect us later in marriage. And as I say once again, God is faithful. He is good. He's the God of redemption. But we need to take responsibility for this area in our lives and fight for it. It's really worth it. It's really worth it to fight for it. Galatians 6 verse 8 to 9 says, The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of the self-life into this natural realm, Realm, you, will, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. But if you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. I want to repeat that. Don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you have planted is coming. And I want to speak that over some of you. Because I know some of you have been waiting for a long time. And I know some of you have been planting good seeds all along. And this says, do not allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you have planted is coming. It is coming. And you're going you're to reap a beautiful, beautiful harvest. And I want to encourage you not to grow weary, not to become tired. The seeds that you sow before marriage will either result in good fruits or bad fruits. And the more good seeds you sow now, the more good fruit you're going to reap in your marriage. We often think, no, but I just want to get married and then I'll work on it. You're working on your marriage all along. Let me tell you, you're working on your marriage from I almost want to say the day you open your eyes on this earth. You know, there's, there's something that, you know, my mom told me I must pray for my husband in high school. 
You know, so I started praying for Andre when I was in grade 10, around there. That was the exact time when God started shifting things in his life where he could have gotten involved in many, many different things, and he was saved from that because his high school years were very unstable because of his parents' divorce. And I prayed into our marriage when I was 16 years old. I didn't know him. I I didn't know his name. I didn't know where we were going to meet. I didn't know when I'm going to get married. But I prayed good seeds of life into that man's life. And I know it made a difference. I know because we we could track the stages when I started praying to, to, you know, stages in his life. He didn't get saved. He didn't give his life to Jesus. But he he was protected from things that could have happened in his life. So you are working on your marriage all along. So whether you know the person or not yet, or whether you have met him or her or, or not yet, you can pray, you can sow good seeds, you can build on your future marriage now already. And that is the good news. That is something, because waiting often feels passive. It feels, Lord, I'm just waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and it's taking forever. You can wait actively. You can wait with an expectation. You can wait planting good seeds and, and just... Um, harvesting a beautiful, beautiful harvest when you get married. So God is bigger. I often get this question as well. Sonika, how will I ever get married if, the, if there's less guys than girls? Okay, this is a big question. The girls always worry that there's less guys around. My answer to that question is God is bigger than statistics. And God is bigger than ratios because you just need one man. Okay, ladies, just one. You don't need five or ten or twenty you need one, and God can send him any moment, any time. And I know it's difficult if you are the one that's been waiting forever. I know that's hard. But you need one person, and you need to wait for the right person. You cannot just settle. You cannot just settle for somebody who's not. If you are following Jesus, you cannot just settle for anybody. You can't. You can't, you can't, you can't. You know, I had a friend who... She was in a, in a wrong relationship for years, for years. And, you know, she, I honestly believe that she missed. She missed the opportunity. She missed the person that God wanted for her because she held on to somebody who was not, she was unequally yoked. He was not following God in the way she did. But she held on to him for dear life because she was so afraid to not, to be alone. And I, I honestly, when I look at her life, I believe that there might have been a, an opportunity for her to meet the right person, but she was not open to that. So I want to encourage you, let's sow good seeds. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So I just want to pray before Andre and I are going to uh, do the Q&A. I just want to pray for two, for two, three things. You don't have to stand. You can just sit like this. I just want to speak live over some of you. Father, I pray for the relationships that that you destined to be. Father, even tonight, if there's people sitting, that they are meant to be together. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the right two people to find one another in Jesus' name. Father, I just release life in, in into godly relationships. I release life, Lord, into healthy relationships and relationships that is going to last not relationships that will break one another's hearts, but relationships that will last, that will end up in a beautiful marriage. So I just speak life in Jesus' name. Lord, and I just take authority over any despair, any feeling of, of despondency and despair and negativity and hopelessness. Lord, and I, I just speak life into disappointments in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that you are greater than despair. You are greater than our disappointments, and you are greater than any situation that makes us feel that it's not meant for me, or you have forgotten me, or Lord, we we just come against those lies, and I just speak life into every heart tonight. Lord, you know where people are at, and I pray that you you will reveal the truth of how much you care and how much you love. Lord, and then I pray for every dating relationship, everybody who's dating. Lord, and I speak a, a pursuit of purity in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray a protection over them. I pray, God, that you will show them how to put boundaries in place. I pray, God, for your, for your protection over them 
to sow good seeds. Over every single person, a determination to sow good seeds and to trust you for a beautiful harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so pop a few extra questions there. I've got eight questions concerning uh, uh, this topic. So I want to just highlight what Sonica also said. Um, if you are not dating yet or you're not in a relationship, get busy living. Get busy living. Don't sit in a corner, feel sorry for yourself. Get busy doing life. Sow those good seeds. Do kingdom, making friends, and don't be uptight. You know, if I would do something, if I would do one thing over, it would be just to be less uptight. And, you know, just make friends, enjoy life. Don't get so worked up, you know. Um, we tend to, uh, I know, relational things, it's very emotional, it's a roller coaster ride, it's, it's, uh, it's not always so much fun. Let me tell you, marriage rocks. Because just one question, how are you going to make it work? Not, is this the one? And, you know, it's just like, just make it work. So, so it, it is a bit of a roller coaster, but I would advise you just to um, don't be so intense, enjoy life, have fun, make friends. Okay. And just because you're making friends with someone of the opposite sex, it doesn't mean, you know, I mean, just, just do life together. You're not getting married yet or anything. Don't go there. Just have fun. Okay? We tend to be so intense that it makes the whole thing just very complicated. Okay. So first question is, are we allowed to date people from other churches as long as they are baptized and saved? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should we allow them, Andrew? No, no, we shouldn't. Yeah, man, obviously. The big thing is just to um, date someone that's following Jesus. That's, the, that's, the, that's, that's number one. Next one, are we allowed to date and possibly marry people who aren't saved at all and pray for them and trust the Lord to change their hearts? Mm, it's called missionary dating. It tends to backfire, unfortunately. But uh, Leonie and Andrew did an interesting one. Eh? Can we share a little bit about your story? <laughs> I'll be nice. I'll be honoring. <laughs> well, Andrew, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. But um, so, so Andrew uh, sort of backslid. He walked away from the Lord for about 10 years. Eh? You were like away from church and things like that. And then Leone started to invite the, the brother to church. And uh, so they weren't dating or anything, but invited him to church. Obviously, he had strategic plan, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and I was, I mean, it was awesome in the sense that you know, um, you know, if you if you look at at the at, at everything, you you know, a lot of people might go, oh, I don't know, you know, but I don't know. It's just amazing for me the redemptive power of God, you know, because Andrew's made some mistakes in his past and. Um, Leonie, you were married before, Andrew was married before, and, uh, and Andrew came to church, and he had a wonderful God encounter, got his things right with the Lord again, and then it was game on, you know, then it was, amen, and uh, baby's on the way, week or two from now, so, so praise God, you know, I mean, even I think for Leonie, obviously speak for herself, be a, a difficult season after divorce, and Getting older and not sure, you know, is it going to... And you got a great guy. I, I kill him in squash, so he's a great guy. I really enjoy him. He builds me up. <laughs> but, but your story for me is beautiful, you know, in the sense of, yes, there's been divorce, but God has, has, has done some amazing things in your lives. You know, so anyway, so I want to just encourage you, though, so, yeah, so in, invite people to church, get them to Jesus, but you don't date or marry until they are following Christ. It tends to backfire. We've seen this many times, the lady especially is like, yes, he's going to follow Jesus, and then he doesn't, you know, so, um, 
So we have quite a few people in church coming to church on their own, and it's really, really tough, you know. So, so yeah, Son- Sonica. I just want to add something that I didn't say earlier. You could actually be unequally yoked even if the person is a Christian. So I'm saying that to the people who are serious their relationship with God. I only learned that later in, in, in my walk with Jesus. I thought as long as the person is a, a Christian. But you get very many different kinds of Christians. Some people are just Sunday Christians. They go to church and they go home and they go on with their lives. Some people are actively involved in church. Some people have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Some don't. Um, that You could actually date a Christian guy or girl and be unequally yoked. Okay, so it's not even just about the person is saved. Salvation is the very, very beginning of looking for somebody if you are following Jesus. You need much more than somebody who's just saying that he, he is a Christian. You need somebody who's going to lead you spiritually, girls. So I feel very serious about this one. You need, you, you can't, if you, you need to consult God. You need to make sure. But what I also want to say is, you're not going to necessarily meet Mr. Perfect from day one, okay? He's forever changing. I'm not the same person. Andre is not the same person. There were things in both of us that were not perfect. And over the last 20 years, God has been changing us. He is still changing us. So we're not looking for perfection, but we're looking for somebody who is wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus Christ. That is what you're looking for. And he must have, he or she must have your values. So he can't go to the beach on a Sunday and you come to church. Okay? It's, it's not, you're unequally yoked, but nobody's a Christian. No, it's for, it's, he, he knows Jesus. It's not good enough. Okay? So, so a good example would be, uh, I, have, I know pastors who I feel married the wrong person because it's just a nightmare in the ministry. You know, when you do ministry, if you are serious about serious about you want to go full on Jesus, you know, then, then you need to have someone that's going to, I mean, if it wasn't, if Sonica wasn't passionate about Jesus, I would have freaked that person out. So are we going to pray again? Are we going to worship again? Because <laughs> we do Jesus full on. So, so we can, our, our home is a home of worship and prayer. You know, when we go to bed at night, we're praying. If we get in the morning, I mean, we're up for another hour or two spending time with God. You know, and, and, and that is our lifestyle. So you need to make sure that you get someone that aligns with you. You know, if you're not that full on, that's fine. Somebody else then also, but find, find sort of the, the, the mix that, that, that works well. Okay, if you really want to do something great in life. But I also want to agree with Sonica says, people change. So if you know that person has a connection with Jesus and you have a connection with Jesus... And there's peace in the relationship. You have a peace. You're enjoying one another's company. There's a good friendship developing. Then, boom, there you go. Bob's your uncle. Let's do a wedding. <laughs> okay? But if it's, as I said, if unequally, it can really get interesting. Okay, so if you're dating, what are the physical boundaries other than not having premarital sex? If we don't agree on the boundaries, should we break up? Okay, so... So um, there's a lot of pre-process building up to sex, you know, and it can also cause a lot of confusion in the relationship. Um, you know, again, you need to figure it out. So we don't have rules around it. We don't like uh, uh, 10 rules of how to do this. <laughs> you, you need to figure out your rules. Um, but what I do know is that there's a reason why it's called foreplay, it is to build up to having sex. So if there's a lot of touching and kissing and a lot of intimate stuff happening, when you get that fire burning, you can't stop it burning, especially the guys. Eh? So, so you need to understand that process. That's why, you know, even biblically, ideally, oh, I, wish it, I wish we could just go back to the old way. Your parents choose for you and then we sort it, eh? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, um, but, but the journey can be really, really tough. That the, the season before we got married was really, really tough. It was the hardest season of our lives. We 
battled to keep our hands off one another. It was really, really challenging. Okay, so we didn't have premarital sex, but, but it was really tough, and it influenced our relationship with God, you know? So it was, it was just, you, you don't want to go there. So the devil wants to have, have you have sex before marriage, and when you get married, he, has, he doesn't want you to have, to have intimacy anymore. He wants them to, to disconnect and connect with others. So the enemy is always trying to sow bad seeds, seeds of lust, seeds of compromise. And we've seen this. I mean, we've prayed with couples multiple times who, who had sex before marriage with one another and married one another, and then there are major issues that the Holy Spirit shows us so be careful. <laughs> the Holy Spirit shows us because they try. Well, we, our marriage is stuffed up. What's going on? And then we pray with them, and like the Holy Spirit say, says, "Hey, you guys, did you? Yes, you know." And it's not the end of the world. It's just there's a seed that's been sown. You need to kill that seed. You need to pray for forgiveness. You need to bring it into the light. Otherwise, it is action. So if you don't agree on the boundaries, it's simple for me, the boundaries. The one that, that is, wants to go the least furthest, that's where the boundary stops. You know, if so if the lady's saying, no, I don't want to, I'm holding hands, Boyki, that's it. Then you stop there and you respect the boundary. You respect what, what, the, what the lady wants. And, and I promise you, guys, a real man, if you, wanna, if you want an awesome marriage, you need to wait because you're sowing bad seeds. Sex before marriage is sowing seeds of adultery because it's lust, it's not love. So, you know, there's it, it something that changes before marital sex, premarital sex, and sex within marriage. It is different. The one is lust, the other one is not lust. And if you sow the bad seeds, you're going to want the lust part again, even when you're married. You're not going to be satisfied in your marriage because you want something else. Now, if you're not married, you won't understand, <laughs> but you will understand one day. So sow so the good seeds so, so that you um, have a good marriage later. Do you want to add something there? I just want to answer the thing of should you break up. It's something that you would need to consult with God because that doesn't necessarily mean that you should break up. I mean, we were also battling physically before we, we got married. That didn't mean that we should have broken up. But if there's not agreement on that, there might be disagreement on other things as well. If there's serious disagreement in this area in your life, there might be other disagreements. But it could also just be that one person has had a background of uh, being exposed to things in his or her life before you started dating. In other words, it's a weakness. It's something that the person battles with. Then we need to give grace. But we they should be firm boundaries, okay? But if it's forced on you uh, in any way, if something physically is forced on you, I would not suggest that you stay in the relationship because that, that I would, there I would draw a line. But if it's somebody battling and somebody that actually needs your support to work through something, even if it's a physical battle, then it's not necessarily a reason to break up. Okay, so maybe just to explain as well for some who might not have the, the right uh, context, you know, it's not like when it comes to sp- sexual purity, it's not, I mean, I know many people think, oh, it's just an old fuddy-duddy rules and regulations type of things, you know, so, um, and it's not like that at all. You know, God is the creator of heaven and earth, is the creator of the laws of our world, so, so like gravity, okay, that's a physical law, you jump off a building, how does it feel, eight-story building, it's painful, would you agree, okay, so the same way God gives moral laws or relational laws, if you break those laws, you feel pain, Okay, so you're standing, uh, I use this example in my book as well, but you're standing on the side of the road, there's a bus coming, and you, and, and, and you feel like, I'm going to walk over the road, because that's what I want to do today. Then you hear a voice from heaven, God speaking to say, my son, don't do it, you're going to get hurt, don't step in front of the bus. And you say, no, that's just being stupid, I want to step in front of the bus. So you step in front of the bus, the bus hits you, and you get really, really 
pain in your life, a lot of pain, broken bones and things like that. Now, whose fault is that? Is it, did the bus not like you? No, it wasn't the bus that didn't like you. Is it God punishing you? No, it's not God punishing you. You broke the rule, the law. The law is you stand in front of a bus, you get hurt. In the same way, there are moral laws or spiritual laws. If you break them, you get hurt. God is not trying to spoil our fun. He's not trying to be difficult or funny. It's just if you do it, you're going to get hurt. Okay, I always use this example of uh, adultery. You, you're married to a, a lady, and uh, the guy has, commits adultery, and then she finds out about it. Wife finds out about it. What's that going to do to the relationship? What's that going to do to her heart? It's going to destroy. Do you see it? It's a law that's been broken. You commit adultery, and it's just going to hurt like hell. Go ask anybody that's done it. It hurts. Okay, so, so there are laws, and if you break the law, it's not that God doesn't love you. It is not like that God doesn't care about you. Uh, he forgives, yes. There are just consequences, and you need to bring your heart before the Lord. Okay, so what does sexual purity look like in, as a single or dating? What are the rules of mas- on masturbation, pornography, etc.? Ay, ay, ay. Okay, so obviously different opinions around this from a biblical perspective. You know, all forms of masturbation is uh, filling your mind, your heart with lustful images. So you, again, are sowing seeds of adultery. And they've done studies about um, on pornography. They've done studies uh, on the effects of pornography. There's a, a whole lot of uh, young men growing up these days that cannot have normal sexual intercourse because of all the pornography. They're so addicted to pornography, they cannot physically respond to a real woman. They'd rather have the pornography. So it, it, it's like a, a drug addict. It's like a, a cocaine addict. It messes up your brain and messes up your life. So run away from um, pornography. Get help if you need to. And masturbation is basically pornography of the, of the heart and mind is also, it tends to, in the end, destroy intimacy in a marital relationship. So that's in short. We can do three hours on that topic. <laughs> so what is your opinion on a big age gap, eight to 10 years? Uh, for me, I'm not that bothered about the age gap. Um, again, if you have peace in the relationship and... Uh, and they, again, your values align. For me, that's more important than the, uh, the age gap. I don't know if you want to say something there. Number five, is it wrong to ask God for external qualities when asking for a spouse, or asking for a good-looking, rich, etc. person? <laughs> uh, the, I think the, the most Christian way of praying would be, is God, give me an ugly spouse and who's very, very poor. Because that's being Christian, isn't it? No, I'm kidding. Eh? Now, obviously, I've, I've found that often people are worried that even if they ask God, like, God, you know, help me with getting the right person, that, you know, what if God gives me someone I really doesn't like, which I really don't like, you know? And, and the truth is when God gets into the business of connecting a man and a, and, a, and a woman, he gives you someone that you really, really like more than you actually thought you would because he knows you. He knows you so well, and it's natural. It's not like an angel would appear necessarily and say, oh, that's so you're the Lord. He is the one. It's, it's, normally, it's normally a very natural process. You, you're good friends. You're connecting well. Your value system is overlapping uh, nicely, and, and then you go for it. I had a list, so I made my list. And then I changed my list every now and again. And for me, it was more of just getting it off my heart. I made a list. I put it away. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't like ticking off things every time I met a guy. I, I just made the list so that I could communicate my desire to the Lord. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But sometimes we could get very, very strict, and we could get very tense around our list, and there's nine out of ten, and the tenth one isn't there, so surely he can't be the one. So I just made it, I, I did it for my own sake of just my communication with the Lord. I had my list. I mean, I didn't dance until I went to university. I couldn't dance. Then my friends taught me how to suck and then dance wasn't 
next to her. Dance wasn't on my list because it wasn't part of my life. So then I added dance. God, please give me somebody who can dance. Andre is one of the best dancers I know. So why can't our list change? I mean, we're changing all the time. So don't be too hard on yourself. Make your list, but don't be tense about your list either. Keep it between you and God and put it away somewhere. Don't go through your list every day or every week. Put it so that you can give it off, get it off your heart and change it whenever you want. It's really fine. It's, we have a living relationship with God, the Father, the, say, the creator of this earth. He knows you. So make your list and communicate it to God and make it a living document that changes all the time. Amen. Okay, next one. What if you're not sure whether you actually want to get married? Well, obviously the Bible speaks about also some people have the gift of not getting married. I do not have that gift. I, uh, I remember I was, as a student, there was this moment where I, I felt God speak to me and say to me, Andre, you are like Paul, the apostle. And you're never going to be married. You have the gift of celibacy. And, and I felt like, okay, so I'm going to do great things for God. That excites me. But man, I was depressed. I'm like, no, no. Every time I see a woman, I'm like, never, never, never. never. I was like, no, man, going to freak me out. So I, I knew, I knew I, I was called to be married. And I really needed help. So Sonica has, has helped me a lot. So, so again, it's about, obviously, if you, if you don't have that desire, then, then don't necessarily pursue it. But if you have the desire, as Sonica says, you have your, maybe a list, you give it to the Lord, and you get busy living. Amen. People, we are changing all the time. If we, are, we are forever changing. This is the beauty of following Jesus. Today, you might feel you don't ever want to get married. Next year, you might feel differently. So I think just flow with the seasons in your life. If you have that feeling currently... Pour out all your love, all your affection, and all your attention onto Jesus. And wait until you have that desire, but don't write it off and say, this is not, this is, we are forever changing. It's the beauty of following God. Amen. Uh, when you're in full-time ministry, how do you make time for a relationship? Well, I think you're asking now in terms of us. Um, when Sonica was working a, a, like a normal job as an accountant, it was much more difficult because our, our programs couldn't align. But now that she's working with me at the church, you know, we have sort of Fridays, our family day, and we take other times off. And, and uh, so that works well. So you, you make time, but you need to have strong boundaries and you get, get your priorities right. There are many pastors and church leaders that don't make time for, for their family. So that's something you need to... You need to value your marriage, value your relationships, and then make time. It's a question for any relationship. I know many people are not in full-time ministry, and they don't spend time. And the, the husband's never at home, or the wife's forever busy with the kids. It's not a, it's not a full-time ministry question. It's a, any kind of marriage question. It's a life question. So it, a good seed that you can now already sow in your marriage is to learn to have boundaries. You must learn to say no. You must learn to prioritize. You must learn to, to just live life in a way where relationships flourish. It is something you can already now practice. It's not about full-time ministry. It's about whether you have boundaries or not. You can, you can, have, a very, uh, you can have a job that's not demanding, and, and then you... This weekend you find your fists and die and obviously you golf and you're never at home. So it's not, it's not about, it's, it's actually about what is priority. Are you making, I'm not skimping on anybody, sorry. <laughs> uh, you need to, you need to learn to actually live your life in a way that prioritize the important things. And it's, it's going to be a battle for the rest of your life. For us, it's a constant, it's a constant, Talking, communicating, putting something in a diary, canceling something. It is, it is forever. I mean, I said to God the other day, is this going to be forever like something we need to manage? And God said to me, yes, because you're fighting for something that is really good. And if you want to fight for something that's really good, it is sometimes going to feel like a battle. I mean, just for us to find a weekend away 
is crazy to do that. But I fight for it, and I fight for it, and I fight for it. And when, it's, when we, we, and it eventually happens, I just know we can't not do this. So, but the same for you. You need to fight for the things that's important to you. Okay, almost finished. Um, how can we release fear of cross-cultural or cross-racial dating and marriages, whether the fear is ours or our families? Okay, so now that is uh, also an interesting one in terms of how to... Um, I, I, I joked, I, I preached a message uh, last term about uh, different races or colors, just everything's just a skin color, you know, from lighter to darker brown. And, uh, and so I... I was thinking after I shared that message, I thought like the, the solution to South Africa's racial problems is we all must just marry across culturally. They would just blend in so beautifully that this, you can't figure out who's white or who's black or who's whatever. You know, because Brazil is actually like that. They are all colors, but they, they have same culture, same language. And uh, so anyway, so that, that was just my, my thinking about it. Ha ha. Um, but I, I, I do say it is sometimes difficult cross-culturally in terms of the cultural differences. So you need to, when you start dating cross-culturally, you need to do your homework and you need to have a, a word from Jesus like, okay, God, are you in this? Because the people that I've spoken to that do date and marry cross-culturally, it's tough. It's tough. You know, they walk on the street and people hoy them with words and cuss them out and... Uh, it's tough, you know, so one must just be ready for that because you don't fit in anywhere in terms of the traditional mold. And, uh, and so, so one needs to just wide-eyed <laughs> walk into it knowing it's gonna be, there's going to be challenges. It's, um, so, and it can, I mean, many marriages it works beautifully, but you need to be aware it is some, there's extra challenges when you go cross-cultural. Okay, is it unbiblical to have a crush you want to answer that one? <laughs> to have a crush on somebody. So obviously, I mean, you... I think, I think in life, I mean, you meet certain people and you tend to have a liking in that person or, or something about that person is attractive, whether it be you like blondes or you like brunettes or you like... You know, whatever, you know, you like a certain type of person. Um, so when you, you, when you are single, I think it's harder because you can have a crush on different people. Um, so that, that definitely makes it harder. So you, but you need, you need to manage that because you need to direct that, your emotions in the right direction. If it's not a safe option or not a healthy option, you need to take a, you know, deal with your emotions and so forth. You know, the moment you're in a relationship and you're having a crush on somebody else, then you know, hey, whoa, 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 something's wrong. Or when you're married, then you really need to, you know. So it's simple. If I feel like, oh, somebody, like I feel attracted to somebody, I'm like, nee, gaan weg, devil. Go away, devil in Jesus' name. You know, so it's simple. I know, and I must manage myself. I think it's harder when you're single because you're, you're, you can get attracted to different people. So you, you need to manage it. Otherwise, it'd be a roller coaster ride like crazy. Are you happy? Okay. <laughs> then, last one how do you know when it is the one? That is a tough one. Um, but my wife wants to answer that. Yeah, I can. No, you can also answer. I can keep you busy for 30 minutes at least. But I want to I wanna just give you a few pointers. There must be a natural connection. Friendship is your foundation. Okay, I had a friend at university, and Andre actually encouraged him to ask me out, and I had nothing to say to that guy. He would ask me these uncomfortable questions, and I would just forever feel uncomfortable talking to him. We could do things together, like go to the movies. He was a great, like, let's do something together kind of a friend. But I was so uncomfortable because everything I told him was uncool. Like, what did you do over the weekend? Oh, I studied. I did my laundry uh, anything else? <laughs> it was just crazy. You need a natural friendship. You need to feel comfortable, very important, and you need some kind of spiritual confirmation, even if it's just peace. You need something from God. For some people, it's just a peace. You feel an overwhelming peace and a calmness. And um, I always tell people as well, God's yes is not always so clear, but his no is very clear. All right, so if that would help you, the yes is always a little bit of a risk. There's always, when it comes to a relationship, a bit of a risk. 
like stepping out on the water. But the no is very clear. So God will, he will have all the warning signs, I believe, to, to tell you, stay away. This is not the right person. So knowing when it is the right one is sometimes a bit more complicated than knowing this is the wrong one. So, but there must be a natural connection. Friendship is a, is a very, very big foundation. There must be trust. And there, there must be some kind of spiritual confirmation. But this is a very loaded question that we can answer for very long. Yes. Okay, so I would want to quickly add this. I mean, it's good for some, for, you know, you need to know the process that you have your things in place. If you just storm in to a relationship and you haven't gone through the right process, it, it can really get uh, interesting. So also advice we give people is, you know, um, bounce it off your friends, bounce it off your parents, especially if they know the Lord. Um, get input from others. I often say this when you get uh, you fall in love, you are blind, you're deaf, you're dumb, you're stupid, you forget everything. You're like, he is the most perfect guy ever. And everybody else is like, him, him. <laughs> Are you kidding? You know, so love is very, very blind. So it helps to get some people around you to give you advice or to give you input and be open to it. Eh? Like ask somebody, hey, do you see something's wrong? Yeah, that, that axe he has in his room, that's really weird, you know. I mean, <laughs> that's not normal. Okay, so it's just good to ask those questions that people can, can give their input. And then really this is the last one. How do you carry on as a married couple? If you realize into your marriage there are key issues that you don't agree on, will probably never agree on, especially doctrine kind of stuff. That's a difficult one. That's why you must try and get sort of agreement before you go into things. That's why we, we definitely encourage people when you do ch- even Christianity, but that same type of church. So uh, otherwise, you, you can really have some issues in action along the way. And, and if you really get stuck, then you need to get a mediator. I often tell people when you get stuck in your relationships, get a third person to mediate and to help you and to pray together and guide you. Amen. Let's park it there. Praise God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.